the history of the world, there have been many supposed gods. Each culture has its own myths and beliefs about what or who they believe to be all-powerful beings. Even as you're listening right now, each of you have your own beliefs. The question I will answer today is, what makes them different? What makes one religion or culture's God more believable or important than another's? These are important questions to ask as you strengthen your faith and as we share the gospel with other cultures and other religions. Many of you listening who encounter different faiths will say that we all worship the same God. Is that true? Well, continue listening, and I'll share with you three concrete answers to these questions. And before this message ends, you and I will pray together for clarity and wisdom in our conversations about why the God of the Bible is different. One of the biggest things about the Bible's God that is different from other religions is that God is concerned with working very closely with humanity. There are two words that come into play here. The first word, transcendent. It describes a God who is far away and distant. A transcendent God is one who cannot be experienced within human capacity. They're just way beyond what we can even comprehend. The other word, imminent, describes a God who is close. An imminent God is one who can be experienced within the confines of humanity. Many religions' gods are mainly transcendent and far away. However, the Bible paints a picture of a God who is both transcendent and imminent. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39, it says, Know therefore today, and take it to your heart, that the Lord, He is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Similarly, in Psalms 97, verse 9, our Bible says, For you are the Lord Most High over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Verses such as these make it clear that God is far above the earth and above all other gods. He is ultimately the Most High. Yet, the Bible also talks about God's closeness with His people. It talks about how God's people are able to know Him personally and intimately. In fact, the very heart of the covenant that resounds throughout the entirety of Scripture is based on knowing Him intimately and His people. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 7, God expressing this by saying, Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. God makes it clear He isn't just there to save them and then leave them. 
He's there to be their God intimately and personally. This is different from most religions and different belief systems. Most of the time, the gods are distant, and the people who are supposedly their people never hear from them. For example, in 1 Kings 18, the story is told of Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal to prove whose god is most powerful. They both set up a makeshift altar, and they called on the name of their god to see whose would come through. When the prophets of Baal call, nothing happens. Elijah then, to prove God's power, drenched his altar with water to make it harder to set fire and called upon the name of the Lord. He said in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 37 to 39, Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. The Lord came through for Elijah, as he always does for his people. He always listens to us, and he always works alongside humanity to bring about glory to his name. What was the result of God's display of power that day? To show off? Absolutely not. The people, in turn, responded in worship to the one true Almighty God. He is a personal God, not a distant one. Another big difference between God and false gods is the fact that God does not require works in order for you to be good enough to be his child. He freely gives the gift of his son that comes with eternal life and life in abundance. He doesn't only take the best of the best or people who give lots of money, or anything like that. He takes the worst of the worst the same way he takes the best of the best. The beauty of God's grace and mercy is that you can come as you are, but he doesn't leave you as you are. Rather, he makes you a new and refreshed person in every way. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 19 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Through Christ's sacrifice and through his blood, we have been reconciled to God. 
It isn't by anything that we do or by anything that we don't do. Rather, it is by what He has already done for us and on our behalf. We don't have to worry about being good enough. Instead, we respond with good works in response to what He has done for us and the love which He shows us every day. Along those same lines, the other huge difference between God and other gods is that the God of the Bible came to earth Himself to experience human suffering and to die for humanity. No other God died for humans. Yet Jesus Christ came down as the Son of God and fulfilled His role as the Messiah, saving humanity and bringing salvation for all people. He experienced every aspect of human suffering and did it all out of His love for us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 to 16 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. These verses highlight how God Himself knows what we go through. He sympathizes with our suffering and He understands it. No other God can make the same claim. Through all of this, the God of the Bible not only makes himself vastly different from other gods, but he dispels all other gods due to his goodness. The greatness of the story of which he wove from the beginning makes no room for other gods. God is the best God, and in his goodness, he unmasks all false gods. There is truly no one like Him, and there will never be anyone like Him. He alone is worthy to be praised for all eternity. Children of God, let us pray. God, we pray that we would recognize who You are and how good You are to us. So often we take for granted your character and your goodness. We ask for clarity for people of other religions to recognize you as the one true God. We pray that as we take your word and your gospel out into the nations that we would be able to accurately portray your goodness and that you would reach people for your glory through us. We ask all these things in your matchless name, Lord. Amen and Amen.